What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. I'm your host, Gavin J. Gallagher, and on this podcast, I explore the mental and emotional game often playing out subconsciously, both in your mind and the mind of everyone else in the real estate or property investment market. The key to success in this game is to master your mindset and behavior, to take control of your thoughts, your emotions, and most importantly, your ego. Welcome to the show. Guys, real quick before we begin, I want to quickly tell you about my new coaching program, Elite Property Foundations. It's officially launched as of the 1st of June, and it is now alive and kicking with members. If you are a novice property investor or you would like to be a property investor, this is the program for you. I guarantee it's going to take you from feeling nervous about what you're doing to being both highly knowledgeable and confident in your decisions. There's a load of features and benefits, so you should definitely check it out. I'm gonna leave a link in the show notes below. That's all, I hope to see you inside. Now let's get on with the show. What's up guys, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Facade. This week, I'm gonna give you a little bit of an explanation as to what happened last week. Last week's episode was supposed to go out and it did not. And so we're recording this episode 170 uh, the the first time I've missed an upload in 170 episodes. So guys, obviously my apologies for that, but I, I think I have a reasonable uh, explanation as to why that took place. Um, those of you who've been following the blog, I put out the blog every week and I just mentioned that we were going to be going on a holiday. And so we were over um, my wife and kids were away visiting uh, her parents um, back in Moldova. And after the, they decided rather than fly back to Dublin and that be the end of the holiday, they decided let, let's fly to London. And what I would do is I would drive from Dublin, get the car ferry over to Hollyhead, uh, take the, you know, drive all the way down to London, meet them in London at the airport in Stansted. And then we would get on, uh, you know, stay in a hotel in London, do a bit of sightseeing and then do a road trip from uh, London back up towards Hollyhead. And so we had a good time, I have to say. But what actually happened on the route there uh, scared the bejesus out of me, I have to say. And um, I was driving down the motorway and it was very poor visibility. Those of you who will remember last Saturday, a week ago now, um, it was very, very heavy rain. I can remember when I was driving to the ferry that, you know, the wipers in the car were going full blast and um, there was huge flooding and there was videos going around from Powerscourt, like the waterfall in Powerscourt was absolutely maxed out. And there was videos of cars you know, in a car park in Clontarf, I think it was, and that's like literally underwater. So huge flooding, lots of problems. And uh, anyway, I took the ferry across over to England and I was driving across England and the, the, the weather was very similar, I have to say. And so for most of the day, I'd say I was driving for a good four or five hours in similar kind of conditions with the wipers going full blast and it not um, being very easy to drive, like, you know, poor conditions. And I'm driving along and this white Rolls Royce drives past me and you don't see those every day. So I kind of like turned my head, had a look over it and then it went on ahead a bit. But it was obvious to me 
that there was a bit of a convoy. There was a, this white Rolls Royce was was in the lead and right behind it was a white um, Mercedes convertible car. And right behind it was an, I think a BMW car. Um, and uh, anyway, that was very obvious to me because they were so close together that there was some sort of convoy. There was a reason they were traveling so closely. And up ahead, they they pulled over. For some reason, they had they decided to pull over um, onto the hard shoulder. And naturally enough, when a Rolls Royce pulls over, you know, it catches people's attention. And the white Mercedes that was right behind it, it also pulled over at the same time. But the BMW missed the turn off and it went ahead and then it pulled over and you could see it putting its reverse lights on to go back. And so this caught the attention of a lot of people on the road driving along. And so people started, you know, craning their neck over, wondering, I wonder what that's all about. And sure enough, I did the same. Look over, look back, the brake lights are all on and I see the car in front of me smashing into the back of the car in front of it. And I lammed on the brakes and the car started skidding, the ABS uh, engaged and the car was like skidding, skidding, skidding. And I thought, "Uh oh, I'm going to rear end this car in front of me that has already been, you know, has rear ended the car in front of it. So, you know, these stories you see, uh, you know, about pileups in motorways and stuff. Anyway, I was quick on the draw and I stopped the car, I would say less than the, you know, the, a clenched fist. That was the gap between me and the damaged car in front. I did not hit this car. But as soon as I realized I was safe from the car in front, I suddenly thought, oh my God, I am on a busy motorway and there is poor visibility and there's a ton of people on this road. And I looked in the rearview mirror and I could see cars behind me, like indicating out of the way, but really quickly trying to kind of get out of the way. And I just thought to myself, oh my God, I am going to be rear-ended by somebody at speed. And I was getting prepared for a for a serious accident. And um, the car in front, like these idiots, I could not believe we're standing on this really shitty weather. The visibility is atrocious. The roads are all slippery and cars are flying around on both sides of you at 170, 170. 30 kilometers, 120 kilometers, whatever it is. And um, these guys decide to get out and exchange insurance details in the middle lane of the M6 motorway in England. And so I just saw this and thought to myself, are these guys off their rocker? Like, what are they doing getting out of the car? There is, there could be a pile up at any minute and you do not want to be sitting outside your car when that happens. So I just thought, I, I like a panic started coming upon me and I, I just thought any minute now, somebody's not going to see us until the last minute and plow into the back of us all. So I was looking for a gap on both sides. Traffic was really heavy, very hard, but for I'd say 20 to 30 seconds, which does not sound like long as I'm telling this story, but it, that was the longest 20 to 30 seconds of my life. And I was there waiting for the car to be completely pancaked by a truck or something like that. And then I finally got away and no damage done to my car at all, but scary, scary moment. So 
Anyway, I continued on the journey and I was kind of just, my heart sort of was beating like crazy. I was thinking, wow, I am a lucky man. Like that, that is how quickly your life could be at an end, basically. And so I was feeling very grateful the, the next day when I was reunited with the family. I hadn't seen my wife and kids for five weeks. Uh, they had spent a good bit of time away whilst I was organizing the, the move into the new house. And so apart from the fact that, um, you know, they've been away and we've been moving and stuff like I don't have the equipment like for the for the microphones and all that kind of stuff for me to have recorded an episode last week would have been difficult anyway. But after the near, you know, car crash, I was just, you know what, I'm just going to enjoy time with the family. I haven't seen them in for five weeks. I'm not going to take time out to go and record a video. Uh, or or recording a, a podcast. And so that is my excuse, guys. I hope you'll accept that excuse. Now, I do have something that I would like to bring up. I've been having a conversation. As you know, uh, we've we've recently moved house and the builders are still here on site working away. And I've been speaking with the, the foreman of the site, Tony, and we were just chatting the other day. And we were talking about, you know, the quality of residential construction standards these days and in fact I was chatting with another pal one of my one of my good pals Ronan and I think he's a listener so Ronan if you're listening thank you for the for the listen um we were chatting just about the difference in residential construction standards these days and I was bringing this up with Tony on site as well we were just saying like it's unbelievable the difference of uh, like if it's like comparing a 1970s car with a car today. Like they're just chalk and cheese. They're so different. And the standards and everything like that. And anyway, we were, you know, we were just sort of talking about the difference, the massive difference it is. Like now that I'm moved into this new house and I can see the standards and I can see the quality of the build and things like that. And that's not, you know, because I'm involved in the development, but it's actually just genuinely all of the standards that are, you know, expected in a house nowadays. They're so different to what it was. I was living in rented accommodation in Black Rock until recently, until very, very recently. And uh, the the house was freezing cold in the winter time, and you'd had the heat on full blast um, for, you know, for hours while, the, you know, while everybody is at home. And then as soon as you turn it off, within half an hour, the house would be cold again, you know, so that just doesn't retain any of the heat. This house is extraordinary. It's just fantastic. But we were chatting about when I was chatting with um, with Tony about you know the, the the fact that the difference between two thousand and eight and today. We were talking about how you know I've been talking about in the podcast the fact that the construction sector in two thousand and eight it collapsed, and they were saying that one in every two jobs were lost in that construction. Uh, collapse uh, brought about by the the Lehman Brothers collapse and the fact that the uh, the you know the banking sector collapsed and like basically it was like a global recession but Ireland was particularly badly hit because we were in the middle of a housing bubble and today we are still feeling the effects of that and I was just talking about the fact that you know people got on airplanes like you know the 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 prospects for you back in 2010 we'll say after a couple of years of this downturn people suddenly realized it's not going to bounce back 
it, uh, you know, people would actually have to accept long-term unemployment in order to, you know, stay put in Ireland. And, you know, anyone who has been unemployed before will know that, you know, being, being, going out and collecting the dough does not put a huge amount of money on the table. And so anyone who is used to having a certain standard of lifestyle, there was very, very few options. You just had to get on a plane and move abroad. And while I was down in Dubai and Qatar and Ghana and places like that in 2010, 11 and 12, I found a lot of Irish people that were down there because of the same reasons as me. Everyone was just looking to earn a few quid and put some money on the table. And, you know, so you would go abroad. And a lot of people, what they had to do was leave the family back home and they'd go abroad and they'd do this thing that I was doing, which was six six weeks stint abroad and then fly back for a week or two uh, with the family and stuff. And that was tough going on family life and things like that. But we were talking about the fact that, you know, people put down roots, they meet people, they, you know, they they establish businesses, they do all this kind of stuff, which put they put down roots. And because of that, they don't actually come back. And so a lot of people would say, well, look, you know, the Irish economy today, it's booming. Um, the construction sector, you know, it's out the door with work, um, you know, the labor shortages, all of that kind of stuff, housing, uh, the crisis, the housing crisis at the moment, so acute. Demand cannot be met. Supply cannot deliver. All of this would make you think that anyone in the, across the other side of the world who is, you know, longing to come back home would be saying, geez, now's the perfect time to come back and, you know, establish a business and get back into building and stuff like that. And this is what I was talking with Tony on site. And he was explaining that it's actually, you know, when you get, when you're inside the construction sector, and you're speaking to your, you know, your peers and your friends and your colleagues, you actually know the difference. It's even it's even worse than I've portrayed. I said that one in every two jobs was lost and one in every two jobs like that's 50 percent of, you know, of people were laid off, basically. But it's actually worse than that. So we were talking about a uh, one of his friends is a plumbing, uh, has a plumbing company. And back in 2008, he employed 16 full-time plumbers and he had those plumbers on sites doing their installations, doing all this kind of stuff. And uh, obviously, you know, the, the recession came, a lot of people ended up out of work and stuff like that. But fast forward to today when, you know, 15 years later, has that guy regained his, you know, business? Has he rehired the people that he used to have working for him? To, to build it back up to say 16 or even more people because demand is so high again. And that very same man today employs four plumbers. And it's not the fact that he does not want to grow the business or any of that. It's that 12 of the guys that used to work for him are no longer plumbers at all. They just decided to get out of the construction sector and you know, so that's basically three out of four people um, that left the construction sector. So it's far worse than one in two. Three in four is 50% worse than that. And what they've done is the guys went off and they retrained. 
and they, you know, they figure it out that there's other jobs out there that can be got if you get the right training for it or whatever. And so guys went out and joined, you know, tech companies, joined pharmaceutical companies, whatever it might be. And, uh, and, and they've, they're not going back to construction now. And what was interesting, Tony had a, a very interesting insight into it. And he was saying that, you know, back in the 1990s, the Irish economy was very much um, an agricultural economy. Huge numbers of people would finish school and go straight into the farming sector. And around about the 1990s, that all started to change. And instead of going into the family farm or, or, or staying, you know, in the farming sector, people, young guys would join the construction. They left the farming life to become contractors. And why was that? Because it was much better pay. Uh, you, you basically did the same amount of hard labor, working on a site, working in cold and wet and temperature and all that kind of stuff. But you got paid well for it. And at the time, the construction sector was booming. So guys were getting very handsomely rewarded. Now, fast forward to today and look at the, you know, the, the, the makeup of the, the demographics of the country. And most young people who haven't decided to go to college or something like that, you know, that did, decided not to become professionals or whatever, um, or didn't get the grades to go off to university or something like that, they have got so many more options open to them than going into construction and becoming an apprentice at a young age or something like that. Like a lot of people can go off and join the, the, the technology sector um, and industrial sector and all that kind of stuff. And so the career opportunities today are vastly different to what they were just even 15 years ago. And so that is one of the reasons that we're looking at this massive labor shortage in the construction center. It's not simply that people moved abroad. It's that they just, the, the same attraction is not there to the long hours, the, you know, the, the, the heavy lifting, the cold temperatures and all that kind of stuff. Obviously, if you were born into that and if, you're, if that's what your dad did or something, there's a better chance of you doing that. But people electing to do that as a job, I think is less now because of the other options that are out there. So anyway, guys, I just some food to, you know, to chew on there, <laughs> some some uh, something to just think about. I probably will actually delve into this a little bit more in another episode, but I, I just wanted to get out there and, uh, and connect with you guys again and explain why we missed a full episode last week. And I was going to catch up when I was in London and I was thinking to myself, it's going to be a half assed uh, explanation and it's going to be poor quality audio because I don't have the equipment with me. I thought, what's the point? I may as well go and put out a decent uh, recording and uh, and at least do that. One of the things that I've been thinking about is after 170 episodes, I'm kind of thinking that I'd like to shake it up a little bit and I'd love to ask you guys what you think would be useful. What do you want to hear more of or less of? Um, I know I've been doing interviews. I have a couple of interviews lined up for the next couple of days. Those are always good. I always enjoy doing those. Um, would you like to hear more of those? Would you like to hear more current events like uh, news covering uh, things that are happening in the news? 
Or do you like these kind of rambling insights from myself? It's just useful to hear you, you know, your views on it. I definitely want to change things up a little bit because I'm, I just feel that um, the 170 episodes, you know, now is about time to go and shake it up a little bit. So love to hear back from you guys. And thanks everybody for bearing with me uh, for missing last week. And I hope you guys are all good and I will catch you in next week's episode. Until then, take care. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Behind the Facade. If you have any questions or topics you'd like me to cover in future episodes, please connect with me via the Facebook group that is called Behind the Facade Community. Alternatively, you will find me on social media. My handle is Gavin J. Gallagher. You can stay up to date with all of my content and the various projects I'm working on over on my website, GavinJGallagher.com. And while you're there, please do add your name to the Join My Tribe thing over on the right-hand side. This will ensure you're kept up to date via my weekly newsletter. All of these links are in the show notes below. That's all for now. I will see you guys in the next episode.